Welcome, church. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome. Well, welcome, church. I'm going to try it again. And also, those who are joining us online, we love you, and we're so excited that you're with us this weekend and this evening. For those who don't know me, my name is Johnny, Johnny Maguina, and um, my family and I have been attending Thor Creek 20 months. I say 20 months like a baby, right? <laughs> you can tell when you're a parent because when they're, they barely have a baby, they don't say two years old or four years old. They always talk about it in months. So as of June 15, 2021, I was hired to be the community director. And I'm so blessed, and God has given me the opportunity to work directly with lives, uh, to work with small groups, pastoral care, guest relations, and upcoming, uh, upcoming events. So if you already received an email from me, this is me. That's right. So with that said, today's message is Psalms 51. Psalms 51, and the title is Done With Trying. If you could do me a favor, t- turn to your neighbor and say, hey, Done with trying, because we're going we're gonna to say it over and over again today. So with that said, let's pray. Let's close our eyes. Dear God, I come to you this, this, this day, Lord, this moment, and I ask you, Lord, for you just to work in my life. Lord, tell me what to say, Lord. I pray for our church, whether it's online, Lord, or even here. I pray for those that are sick. Lord, give them hope. We ask these things in your name, and God's people says, have you ever made a poor decision in your life? Amen? Yeah? All right. Everybody's looking at each other. Yeah, that's me already. And it just keeps on piling on and piling on and piling on. And if you could just go back and just fix it, just fix it, well, You don't have to wait any longer because today I'm going to share with you a way that you can fix everything that you've messed up. Today's message is about a roadmap, the roadmap of forgiveness. It's a roadmap of how to fix everything that you have destroyed. It's a roadmap of how to make things better. You see, we all have the same starting point. All of us do. Now, our destination is repentance. It's how to be forgiven. So most of us might have this, most of us have, uh, have different starting points. All of us are different. We come to church with different backgrounds. Some of us might be going through, through uh, divorce, broken relationships. We've been abandoned. We've been betrayed. All of us come from different backgrounds. But our end result is what we're seeking is always forgiveness. For some, you might probably think that this message isn't for you. You might think, hey, you know what? I'm I'm good. There's no problem. Everything is fine. Some might have a successful job. You might have the most attractive, significant other. You might have the biggest house at the end of the block, the greenest lawn. But you know what? There's something that's keeping you up at night. There's something that is distracting you during the day. And there's a big void. You know what that is? It's because you're done trying. Psalms 51 is an intimate conversation 
between God and David, and David and God, I mean. It is well known, and it's a model of, of repentance. See, before we get into Psalms 51, we have to talk about what's David's starting point. And that's found in 2 Samuel 11 through 12, chapters 11 through 12. We find that God's plan for David, God's plan for David was for him to go to battle. And David decided to do different. David decided to go back and hang out at the palace. So one day after one of his famous naps, he walked around the rooftop of the palace and he saw somebody bathing. And her name was Bathsheba. And he called one of his servants and he said, hey, who, who is that down there? And he found out that her name was Bathsheba. And he said, well, why don't, why don't, you, why don't you bring her here? And soldiers brought her, and David used his power of persuasion, and he is the king. And they began in adultery. And we don't know how many times it happened, but the result is she got pregnant. The Bible goes on to tell us that, you know, when David found out that she was pregnant, he ordered her husband, Uriah, to come from the battlefield. He left everyone behind, and he got to David, and David said, hey, listen, you know what? I need you to, um, well, tell me, tell me how the war is going. And after he found out how the war was going, he, the battle was going, he said, hey, I want you to go home and spend time with your wife. Here's a present. Uriah went home. He refused to go in, and he decided to sleep outside of the palace. Because he felt that he was betraying Israel. Because he thought and he knew better yet that God's plan was to be out in battle. David saw that. And David decided to lure him in the palace again. And he said, hey, let's, let's sit down and let's talk. And, and he got him drunk. And he said, now go home. And Uriah said, no, I can't go. After a couple days, Uriah begged David Please let me go back to war. Because that's God's plan. Unfortunately, David writes Uriah's death sentence in a letter giving it to General Joab to put Uriah in the front line of battle, in the worst part of the battle. And when the enemy attacks, for everybody to run back. Unfortunately, Uriah died in battle. Later, David was visited by prophet Nathan, where Nathan confronted David about his sins, plural. And the result of his sin, days after, their child died. So that's David's beginning of his roadmap to forgiveness. Let's open our Bibles in Psalms 51. And tonight we're going to read, or the service we're going to read, verses 1 through two. The Bible tells us, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Verse two says, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. And before we even start or we continue to go forward, we have to go over two things. Number one is and we're going to be using the word repent a lot. 
So we, we have to go over what the definition of repent is because all of us come from a different background as we spoke before. And we might think that repent might have different definitions. So the word repent states that it's to feel and express sincere regret or remorse about one's wrongdoing or sin. So let me give you an example. So if you are attempting to repent and ask for forgiveness 101, if we go based on that definition, number one, it's, it's to feel remorse when you're asking for forgiveness. Number two, going off that definition, is to list the reasons why. And three, put a name on it. And I'll tell you what, that will save you a lot of nights from sleeping on the couch. Okay? So, you know, and one thing is, the most important thing is the beginning part that I said. I said, you know, it's your demeanor and how you carry yourself when you're asking for forgiveness. See, verse 1, David starts with a repented heart. And he says, have mercy on me. How many times have we had somebody in our lives that have offended us or trespassed against us? And they come to you with, and you are expecting a sincere apology. Or better yet, you're asking for them to ask you for forgiveness. And they begin their sentence. Hey, um, I didn't see what I was doing. And they've offended you. And you're asking for, and I'm sorry. A forgive me. Or they might say, you know what, if I offended you. Or they say, well, if you wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done this. Or the famous, I guess I'm sorry. <laughs> See, that's not a repentful heart. That heart is not contrite. See, you can gauge a person how repentful their heart is by how they approach you, their attitude, their demeanor, how they carry themselves. You can tell how David felt when he approached God in verse 1. Because he says, David's, you know, his, his heart says, you know what? God, forgive me. Have mercy on me. He goes on to say, because, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, have mercy on me. He says here, have mercy because my love is a failing love. I didn't, I didn't love you, God, how you deserve to be loved. You see, David goes on to say that, have mercy on me because I didn't have compassion on others. And yet today, Lord, I'm asking for your compassion. Have mercy on me because, because I need it. How many can relate so far? See, David is begging God to look beyond his sins, beyond his lies, because God is so full of mercy. He is the God of love and he can do it and he can do everything. Verse 1 and 2 says that David repents of his sins because he can no longer go on with his current condition. Because he is done with trying. Verse 1 also says you know, that David asked God to blot out the stain of his sins. Because you know what? There are multiple sins. The Bible tells us here that, that, you know what? Sin leaves a trail. And it comes out in our conversations because it's a stain. Not only that, but, but when you interact with others, that stain of sin comes out. 
Everybody can see the stains. Those stains, there's only one person who can wash those sins away. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. How many know about those stains? The Bible tells us here, continues to say in verse 2, it says, wash me from, wash me clean from the guilt. Because, you see, sin, it does something different. It it impacts our self-esteem. It keeps you far away from those who you love. It impacts our decision-making because we don't want to be around anyone. It makes us feel inadequate. It leaves a trail where everybody knows where you've been. See, how many know about that spiritual uncleanliness? Then David goes on to say, purify me from my sin. Because, you see, he could not go on. Because he felt that because of his sin, he was infected. See, David was desperate for a new beginning. See, he couldn't go back to living the same again. So, what are we going to do with all that? Let me share with you what 1 John 1, 9. And we'll go back to it again. And we'll add on to 1 John. But let's read 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, help me church, he is faithful and what? And will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all righteousness. That's right. Hallelujah. Let's go on to read uh, Psalms 51, verses 3 through 6. See, David continues to to, to express and and, and to share how much remorse he has. Verse 3 says, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And verse 6 six says, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. See, verse 3 states that, you know, I recognize my rebellion, which means that David He knew what he was doing. He was sinning in the first degree. If we go back and we open up the Department of Justice law manual, there are three basic elements of first degree crimes. Number one, you have to be willing. David was willing to take a risk and he sinned against God. Number two, He did it deliberately. And number three, he premeditated it. He planned it. Three things. It says here in this quote, it says, the Department of Justice law manual states, there are three basic elements of first degree crimes. Willfulness, willfulness, I'm sorry, deliberation, and premeditation. See, David is done at this point. He's sharing, I am done pretending that all is good after all I have sinned. See, a lot of times when we, when we sin against God, we walk around and although inside we're hurting and we're suffering, we pretend that everything is good. But it tells us here that David recognized that it has not been going good for him since the day that he sinned. See, David knew exactly, 
exactly when, where, and how he sinned against God. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me give you an illustration. See, wrong don't go away. We know exactly when, where we sinned against God. There could be a time where, where you know, it's just like we are with our spouse and, and, or with our friends or with loved ones, and, and we might say something. And days go by, and we haven't heard from them a phone call or a text. Or they didn't come over to hang out with us to see how we're doing. And we begin to think, what, what happened? Wait a minute. What was the last conversation I had? Or months can go by. I don't know about you, but it's just like COVID, right? What were the signs of COVID? All of a sudden, one day you're sitting down and eating your meal, and, and all of a sudden, it has no taste. Or little by little, it's losing its taste, and you turn to your spouse or whoever made the meal, so you say, hey, you know what? Today's meal, it's lacking a little bit of salt. I remember that at the table. And I'll tell you more about that later. And all of a sudden, you retrace your steps, and you remember when it happened. You might be on vacation, and all of a sudden, you're not as happy, and you begin to look because you think that that vacation will take away your, your issues, and, and all of a sudden, you're sitting there, or you're at a sporting event or hanging out with friends, and all of a sudden, you might take a look, and you might say, you know what? When did it happen? Let me give you an example. Every time Pastor Jeremy invites me to go camping, I get anxious. Because he wants to invite me on a, another Jeremy Johnny adventure. <laughs> no, nah, man, not going to happen. So the camping, I want to be nice to you, though. But the camping I want to, I'm excited to invite you is to camp out with me on verse 4. Read verse 4 with me. It says, against you and you alone, I have sinned. You see, David says, against you and you alone have I sinned. Because he recognized when back there, there was a split between David and God. See, David loved God. He walked with God. Remember, at the age of 16, he was singing songs, and a bear would attack, or a lion would attack, and, and, and God would be right there with him. He knew God, and he remembered when his food didn't have taste anymore. He remembered when he couldn't sleep anymore. He couldn't rest anymore. See, there's a similar example in the Bible where there was a young man who was sold to slavery by his siblings, by his brothers. And, uh, you know, he was a, he was a slave, and uh, this man bought him. And as he was living in his house, he began to notice that this young guy had a lot of skills. He was smart. And as time went by, he put him over his finances, over his money, over his property, over everything he had. 
And his wife started looking at him and saying, ooh, you're a good-looking guy. And she tried to seduce him to have sex with him. And his response is this. In, in Genesis 39.9, let's read it together. It tells us here the story of Joseph. It says, no one is greater in the house than I am. See, my master, which is Potiphar, has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. So how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? See, Joseph was just like David because he cared about what God thought about him. And nowadays we have it all twisted up because we care more about what the world thinks about us and how we could offend the world, but we don't care about offending God. The point I'm trying to make is is that Joseph and David shared the spirit of love towards God. That they loved God so much that they never wanted to sin against God or offend God or displease God. See, they felt that the center of, of their life, their priority, was God. See, David knew that if he was going to be forgiven of his sins, David must go to the one and only who could wash his sins away, who could forgive him. See, like David, we have to recognize that God is the ultimate and final judge. And it all starts with God, and it all ends with God. Because at the end, we have to stand before God. See, others might say, hey, you know what? I never, I never committed adultery. So this doesn't apply to me. Some might say, hey, you know what? Man, you know what? I never, I never sent somebody to get killed. So therefore, I really don't have that much to repent, or I don't have to repent. But you know what? God sees, God sees all of our sins the same way. He sees those lying, like murder. He sees judging others, like adultery. He sees excluding selfishness, putting yourself before others, pride. He sees anger, all the same. There's no exception. There's no difference. The Bible tells us in James 2, chapter 10, if there's a difference. It says, for, for whoever keeps the whole law, and yet, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, just one point, that's all it takes, is guilty of breaking all of it. So if you're done with trying, let me share with you what to do. Let's open our Bibles in 1 John. If you're at home, open your Bibles with me. 1 John, we're going to do verses 8 and 9. 1 John 1, 8 and 9. It tells us here, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. David goes on to say in Psalms 51, verse 7 through 12. Let's read it together. It says here, cleanse me with hyssop. Cleanse me with hyssop. I remember the first time I read it, you know, I called Pastor Reuben and I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy a Bible. What kind of Bible should I buy? And it's technically my first official English Bible. I have many Spanish Bibles. And he says, you know what? I got this kind of Bible and, 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 and I want you to buy it. And so I opened it up. And when I read this passage, and it says hyssop. I said, what is that? Hyssop. I never heard this word hyssop. I said, okay, hold on. I, I heard this before. So, so I opened up my Spanish Bible and it says hyssop. Can you say Aesop? I'm just joking with you. Hyssop. <laughs> he goes on to say, and let's read it together, and, I'll, and, and I'll, we'll push this further along. It says, cleanse me with hyssop, and I will what? Read it with me, and I will what? Be clean. What else? Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. So if you're a, a scholar or a Bible geek, you're going to eat this up because it says here in verse 7, cleanse me with hyssop. See, hyssop was mentioned in the Old Testament, but more common in the, in, in, in the book of Leviticus because hyssop had two major use. Number one, to cleanse and purify a home. And number two, to purify and cleanse somebody who suffered from leprosy or skin disease. And we find that in Leviticus chapter 14, 6 through 7. So the question is, what does David mean by cleanse me with hyssop? What does that mean? So David is basically describing here that he said, I need a cleansing for my spiritual leprosy. See, if I had leprosy, according to Leviticus, and I wanted to go back to camp. I wanted to go back to my family. I wanted to go back to my tribe. I had to go first and be cleansed with hyssop. Could you imagine feeling like an outcast? Like a pariah? Like a stray? Because of your sins? See, David tells us here in this passage that he was yearning to re-enter the camp. He wanted to re-enter a life with God. And if nothing touches you, this will. He goes on to say in verse 8, let me hear joy and gladness. You know why he said that? Because he says to God, God, I've been carrying so much sin and I've been doing it on my own. 
And I've been sinning after sinning after sinning, Lord. And although I walk into a room and it's full of joy, I don't feel joy anymore. And when I see people glad around me and they're laughing, I don't feel glad anymore, Lord. He says, God, with my sin, I can't see you. With my sin, I can't feel you, Lord. He says here, let me see you again because I missed you. I betrayed your love and and I haven't seen you since I sinned back in the palace 10 or 11 months ago. For some, how long have you or how long was it since you felt that love from God? For others, how long have you wanted to belong or to come back? See, when we sin against God, we're in a spiritual mourning. How many know what I'm talking about? Let me share with you the, what came to mind when I was reading about this spiritual Morning, or this, this being an outcast, being stray. You know the protocol when you have symptoms, symptoms of COVID, is you have to go quarantine. But you really don't go quarantine because you know you could be upstairs in your room, but you're still walking around the house and everything's cool. But something begins to happen. You can't breathe anymore. So you have to go to the hospital. See, one of the things that they explained to me was is that, that this, this, this virus, it's like you know, grabbing a frozen breast and you throw it in the sink and it thaws out and you grab a knife and you begin to just shred it. And you can't breathe anymore. I remember being in the hospital room and, and um, I was sitting down there and, and I felt like a pariah. Because you can't, you can't have family come and see you. You're sitting there all alone. And when I was reading how David was feeling, it took me back there because, because you feel infected. And you begin to, to all of a sudden believe what's happening around you. And nobody wants you and you can't be with everybody. I remember one thing that two songs that we one uh, two songs that we were singing in church. I remember those two songs, and even till today, you know, all of us have our favorite songs. And every time we come to church, one pow hits us, and we just start crying like babies. Two songs. This is the way I fight my battles, and the other one was the blessing. The blessing because God promises that you'll be able to see the blessings of your children and their children and their children. See, when we practice sin, we often deny it or we minimize it. Oh, it's not me. It's, I'm just a little sick. That's it. See, then it begins to tear and shred us away. Whether we like it or not, we end up in the hospital and the ICU. 
See, the Bible tells us in Luke 5, verse 31, that Jesus responded to his critics. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. See, without Jesus, we're in the ICU. This is what God wants to do with us. Verse 10 tells us what? Create in me a new heart. Create in me a new heart. There's two examples of that in the Bible about our approach to God. See, there was these two men, and both of these men were, were, went, went, decided to go up to church. And one was a Pharisee, and the other one was a tax collector. And this Pharisee began to scream and talk real loud. And he said, oh, God, thank you because you didn't make me, or you're better yet, you, I'm not like one of these guys over here. Look, look at this guy. Not only that, but I fast, and I tithe. And then there was this tax collector that stood from a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his chest. And he wouldn't even look up and he said, God, have mercy on me. For I'm a sinner. The other example we find is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul talks about what his heart is with God when he approaches God. And it says, this is... A trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into this world to have to save sinners, I'm sorry. And I am what? Worst them, worst of them all. He asked here for a new heart. David said, Restore me. Bill Johnson said it the best way. Whenever God restores something, he restores it to a place greater than it was before. One more time, let me read this, and let's read it together. It says, whenever God restores something, he restores it to a place greater than it was before. See, this is the restoration that David was asking for. Let me read you 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. It tells us, therefore... Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what else? What does it say? The new creation has come. The old has what? What else? The new is here. Let me finish off with Psalms. Let's read Psalms 51. Let's read 13 through 17. Let's read it together, church. It says here, then I will teach your ways to rebels, and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then what? I joyfully sing for your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that my mouth may praise you. You don't desire sacrifice, or I would offer one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a what? You will not reject a broken and repent heart, repentant heart, O oh God. Verses 13 through 17 is very important because this is how David ends his passionate plea. This is how David ends, 
how he has sinned against God. And he came to God in the spirit of, 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 of repentance. And he named it. And he owned it. It says here that God says, teach me, Lord, so I can turn, return or turn around and just share with the rebels. Let me, let me, let me, let me, it says here, then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. See what David say, is saying here that, you know what? I don't want to be known as the king who committed adultery, God. God, I don't want to be known for someone who caused destruction. God, you changed my narrative. Because if I change this narrative, I will continue to sin against you. See, I don't want to be known for my sins. I want the world to know that, God, that you forgave me and your love is unfailing. See, David's goal in life was that he wanted to change what he was known for. Repent against God. And he wanted to be known as the man chasing after God's heart. Are you with me so far? Are you with me, church? Amen. On verse 16 and 17, to finish off, it says that David completes his conversation with God by saying, God, you don't want a ceremony. You don't want to sacrifice and offerings. See, because those things have nothing to do with me. You know what you want, Lord? You want my broken heart. You want my crushed bones. You want the stains of my sins. You want my unclean body. Because, Lord, you will not reject it. Dan Allender said, The work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully faced. Let me finish with Isaiah 118. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 118, Come now. Let's settle this. Says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them what? As white as snow. Though you are like red, like crimson, red crimson, I will make them as what? As white as wool. God says, you know what? I'm here. What do we want to do about this? Let's stand. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Friend, if you are visiting us here, spending time with us, and feel like David, where you are seeking this repentance, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart. Church, if you are going through this and you feel just like David where, where you're done with trying and you can't go on, 
Let's pray together. In closing. Heavenly Father, Lord, we've sinned against you. There's nowhere else to go, Lord. Since we sinned against you, nothing has gone right. And Lord, we're done with trying. We can't go on like this, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to forgive us of our sin, Lord, and make this new. We ask these things in your name.